0: Report of what's gone on this week in Africa. They were getting ready to come home, and they said there would be lots of tears as they said goodbye to those that were there. And uh, yesterday they were on safari in Botswana, where our own Joby Matsapella comes from. And today they are going to be, have already probably, uh, visited Victoria Falls, had a church service there, uh, and so they will leave for Lusaka for the hotel in the morning and spend the day there, and then they'll be on the planes on their way home. Arriving in Winnipeg, uh, most of them, some of them are going on some side trips, but uh, most of them will be home on on Wednesday at, I think, 308 So, uh, for those of you that are are going to want to be there, that's the time, but check first. I uh, wanted to mention that Mrs. Hiller is celebrating her birthday this morning. I don't understand. that. I stopped having birthdays when I hit 29. It's easier that way. Well, we're on our way to Greece again this morning. Uh, we've been to several places. Last week we were in Berea and Mark did just an eloquent job on bringing the message. And we found that uh, Paul, when he went to Berea, had a pleasant surprise that there were believers in Berea, They were followers of the word. When he spoke, they didn't just, because he was a stranger, they didn't take it as being uh, just how it was. They searched the scriptures themselves to find out if these things be so. And Paul had several converts in Berea. But while he was in Berea, something else happened, and that was that the Jews from Thessalonica, who wanted to get rid of him there, found out he was in Berea speaking. And so they came down to Berea to make trouble for him there, to stir up things, to stir up the people. And so when Paul and Silas found this out, uh, it was decided that Paul should hurry on to Athens. Uh, Timothy and Silas were going to stay in Berea and wait until Paul summoned them to come. And so some of the new converts at Berea escorted Paul down to Athens. And that's where we are at this morning, Paul's missionary journey in Athens. I've been to Athens. I had the pleasure of being there three times, uh, twice just in Greece, tacked on to a couple of trips to the Holy Land. But one trip had the privilege of being there and spending a month there with some missionary friends. And uh, But the first time I was there, I have to tell you, it was just a culture shock for me because Uh, when we got off the plane and got into the vehicles we were going into the actual city with, uh, I have never, ever seen so many lunatic drivers in my whole life. The road was, I mean, people have been to New York and have seen things on TV about New York where, you know, it's a sea of yellow. Well, it wasn't only a sea of yellow. It was like rough waves all over the place. They just, they, I was sure that they had to take driving lessons in Lunacy 101 before they were able to drive and were given a, a license. That's not true, I don't think they had licenses. It was so strange there that if you weren't careful and there was no parking spot, they could pull up on the sidewalk and park right there. Like it just didn't seem like there was any rhyme or reason to, well, whatever was going on out there. But if you were in there, you'd want to drive with a Greek, that's for sure, because they were the only ones that would ever dare to get on the road, and the, there's so much population there, and, and so many vehicles, and so much pollution, that the people could only drive their cars on alternate days, so if your license number ended in an even number, you could drive one day, and then if the next day, it was the odd number of the license plates, and so that's That's how they limited, thankfully, thankfully, the number of cars that were on the road. I took one side trip up a mountain. Uh, Greeks are very demonstrative people. And the driver got out at a spot, and it was a crossing somewhere, and his arms were going, and his voice was raised, and the other guy's arms were going, and his voice was raised. And uh, I said to the guy's wife, what are they fighting about? She said, oh, they're not fighting. They're just discussing something, whoa. But as we proceeded up this mountainside, and it was like hairpin turn after turn after turn, and again, I was glad I was with a Greek, but the worst part about it was, and this is without a word of a lie, that just about at every curve or turn in the road were these little crosses that people had put were obviously to remember those who had gone before, so when I say I'm happy to be here this morning, there is truth to that. When Paul arrived in Athens, uh, it was very different for him also. He was, the, the brethren left that were, had come from Berea and uh, he asked them, perhaps on second thinking, that, Paul and, or that Silas and Timothy should come and join him. So in the meantime, he was there on his own, and what he saw as he walked down the streets of Athens was row after row of images, statues to different gods and goddesses. Uh, they were everywhere, and temples, temples to all the gods, and, and temples built you know, wherever you looked, And it was one of the writers in Nero's court who sarcastically wrote one time that it was easier to find a god in Athens than a man. Paul must have reminisced, and I found in Acts 26, a little later on, where he was reminiscing, in thinking of the danger he might be in with the Jewish people coming down to make trouble for him here if they found out, Um, In Acts 26, Paul writes, in, in remembrance, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. So Paul can think back when he thinks about these Jews coming after him and remember that he did the same thing. His behavior was the same before he had a Damascus Road experience and personally met Jesus. He, um, the Bible tells us in Acts 17, it tells us that when Paul walked through the city and saw all these temples and saw all these statues, that he was stirred, aroused in his spirit, uh, knowing that, you know, for people this was their form of worship. And knowing that these gods that they worshipped were nothing and that he had his work cut out for him and the opportunity ahead of him to be able to proclaim Jesus And the first thing, as was his custom, he went to a Jewish synagogue. That was Paul's uh, opening to be able to talk to Jewish people because they knew the Old Testament. They were aware of God's laws, and, and they were aware of the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And so with that knowledge, Paul was able to go and reason with them about the fact that Jesus was the fulfillment of those prophecies. And so, for the, going to the Jews, it opened up great opportunity for him to be able to witness about Jesus. It's thought that perhaps at the same time, uh, he might have spoken to them about what was going on around about, and perhaps even chided them for not uh, taking a more active part in rebuking what they saw around about them. Because the Jews, of all people, knew. Uh, the commands of God, the very first commandment that was given was, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven... No, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That was the first, the very first commandment that was given. And you shall not make unto you any carved object that's in the heaven above or in the earth beneath or the waters under the earth. shan't bow down to them or serve them. They knew that. And they knew it even better than most because they had done it so many times, even knowing what the scriptures taught, even knowing uh, that God had said not to do these things, uh, they got caught up. As time went on, those of you who have read in the Old Testament will realize that time after time after time, the Jewish people, knowing better, uh, followed other gods of the neighboring countries, sometimes like Ahab marrying Queen Jezebel so that it would... Uh, be better for him in his his, uh, kingdom to be allied with a foreign country. And that didn't turn out very well. And God would let them go on for so long and then he would bring judgment on them and bring them back to a place where they would cry out to him. But that was one of their great, great sins was falling to to idol worship. We read about uh, in in Gideon's day that his Gideon's father had built an altar to Baal. And there are many, many instances of this that as they got close to neighboring countries and they began to intermingle with some of the people there, they began to worship the same idols as they did and God had to send judgment on them. So Paul went to the synagogue and then he went every day to the marketplace. And this is where there were lots of men there who... Uh, remember the days, the glory days of Greece, where all the philosophers used to gather in around there, and they would uh, talk about the latest philosophies and pick them apart and look for a new thing, new things. And, and this is what they were still doing. And so Paul, who loved to be wherever people were and had an opportunity to witness to them, uh, Paul made sure that every day he went to the marketplace. and it was a very strategically located place, it was like almost like in a valley, with um, large, four large hills around, um, one being the Acropolis that most people go to when they go to Greece to see with the great temple of Parthenon on top to the goddess Athena. And uh, that was on one side of this marketplace. Then there was uh, a temple mount, and there was a museum mount, and there was uh, the Eropagus, which we know is now as Mars Hill. And so all these were around, and he was surrounded. And you know, only I believe the Holy Spirit could give him the boldness and the courage to go and and go daily in a place like this, because uh, he was surrounded with all of the things that he didn't believe in and the things he wanted to address. And so he made it a point, though, to go and to talk to these people. There were two particular types of philosophers, if you will, that met there daily. Uh, The Epicureans, they were a group that uh, were materialistic, atheistic. They believed in evolution, that everything happened just by chance. And they would go and talk of their philosophies. And they were wondering what he was saying what he was talking about. Uh, When we're in boot camp, the grade sevens in boot camp learn a particular type of catechism uh, on what we believe. And the very first question in the book is, uh, what is the chief end or what is the chief purpose of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what we teach. Well, the Epicureans believed that the chief end of man was pleasure. And that revealed itself, manifested itself in a couple of ways. The more uh, refined people were, um, they looked to their pleasure in the arts and music. And uh, the less uh, refined people, uh, they believed that the pleasure was in the sensual. And they sought after that. But in any event, it was pleasure or self, really, which was uh, what they sought to please self. The other group was called Stoics. And I thought that was very interesting because people are called even today sometimes Stoic. Uh, if, they've, if they don't have a response to something, they seem very uh, people that aren't passionate about anything. And the Stoics, were like that. They believed in not. They didn't believe in a god, a personal god, a creator. They believed that uh, the universe and God were the same, and so they were very uh, interested in nature. And living in harmony with nature would bring happiness. And many of them were of very high moral principle, and they believed that everything that happens in in the human existence is governed by fate. But the thing that the two of them had together was that they were both hostile to the gospel. Now these philosophers, as I said, spent their days in the marketplace just seeking out any new thing that they could hear and they could dispute or discuss. And they prided themselves on being very up to date with all the latest philosophies. And so when Paul came and Paul preached to them about Jesus, they were really taken aback the when they heard about the resurrection. That was something new, so they got their interest was very piqued, and they decided that they needed to hear more about this. So they invited him to go up onto the Eropagus Mars Hill with them, and they would climb. I've been there. Couldn't find the picture. I was actually going to be bold enough to put it up there today. Me sitting on Mars Hill, so I would look very where all the intelligent people belonged. What are you laughing about? <laughs> they um, invited Mar- uh, Paul to come up onto Morris Hill because on the top of Morris Hill was where the um, Supreme Tribunal Court of Morals met three or four days a, a month. And they up there would, would judge on very many issues. They were judged on criminal issues. They judged on religious issues. Uh, it would have been a place where Socrates would have appeared, the great philosopher, and and uh, would have stood and answered for himself before his death. And he invited Paul up here. He wasn't on trial, because when the court wasn't sitting, everybody else was up there talking about their latest philosophy discoveries and so on. And so Paul had an opportunity to go up onto Mars Hill and address the people up there. And as he did, he saw that there was a plaque, not as we know it, but would be carved into the rock probably, that was to the unknown God. So these people not only had hundreds and hundreds of gods and goddesses that they looked to, but there was one that they reserved for the unknown God. And uh, we've got the overhead for the verse from chapter 17. Okay, let's, let's look at this. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus, Mars Hill, and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. So what a wonderful opportunity for the apostle to find the inscription up there to to an unknown God and to be able to say this unknown God that that you worship, I'm going to tell you who he is. And it was just a a great, and where it says in there, you're ignorant, um, sometimes we use that and we use it in a very harsh way, somebody's ignorant. But he was just saying, you know, you you don't know, you don't know about this God, and I'm I'm going to share and tell you all about him. And so he does this. You have to understand that he doesn't attack their beliefs. He says that he sees that they're very religious people and that, you know, in every way they are. Just look around. And a little bit later on, as you read down in, in his, what he said, uh, he, he realized what a strategic place God had placed him in because of all these temples round about. And he's able to say to them, God no longer dwells in temples made with hands. And so there was another thing for them to think about. Here was a God that he was going to show them who this God was that they have been worshiping and didn't know, and that this God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. And that would, again, they'd pick up their interest. He doesn't attack their national worship, but gently he draws them away from this worship, this ignorance of worship of this deity under many idols to the one true God. They were so close to the truth. As they they sat up there day after day talking and, and discussing, here's this inscription up there to the unknown god and now they were going to hear about this in verse 24 of chapter 17 uh, paul goes on in his in his speech to them and he says the god who made the world and all things in it since he is lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, and then he quotes from one of their poets, for we also are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to man that all everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard about the resurrection from the dead, they began to laugh and sneer and mock. But some said, we're going to hear you again on this matter. We want to hear more. So Paul had been faithful uh, down in the marketplace of preaching Christ and him crucified and resurrected. And then went on to talk about this God not existing in temples made with hands and that he is everything and that they are so close to him and that they need to know him. Paul, when he went to the Jews, would speak from the scriptures. He would talk to them about, uh, as I said, undoubtedly the the altars and the temples and the, the statues that were all around and and to be careful that they wouldn't get taken in with all of this and as has been the case many many times in past because there was judgment and in in this portion of scripture in talking to the greeks he talks again about uh, coming judgment but in all things he was very gentle with him he didn't come across as being uh, superior to them, that they didn't know anything. He, he came across that, you know what, you've got this guy that you don't know and I can tell you who he is, and was able to share with them the gospel. Did everybody take his word for it? No, uh, but some did. And there's, there's good stories of some of the people who originally heard that, that uh, speech that he made. Paul, in each case, looked for a common bond uh, so that when he spoke to people, he he wasn't leaving them feeling like he was judging them. He just uh, wanted to bring them along and, and to let them know what what was being said. They didn't have the New Testament in that those days. Paul himself was writing most of the New Testament as he wrote letters to churches as he went along. But... It helps us to think about our method of witness as Christians, so how we speak to other people, how we talk to them, and uh, how we try to fit into different cultures. That's not in any way meant to say that we are to uh, do things that other people do if it would be something the Apostle Paul, you could be sure, would never have done anything that would have gone against what he knew in the teachings of, of the scriptures. He would never have done that. But he would have found a way to find a common bond. Now, he did that on Mars Hill. He found a common bond. He was a very scholarly person. Uh, in his studying to be a Pharisee, he, was, he, was well, he knew the scriptures well, and he knew their philosophies. And so he was able to get up and, and speak to them in a way that they would listen. And so we need to look at what God would like us to do because we're in a world that is pretty well the glory days of, of where we are right now with computers and all sorts of technology, with space travel and and with all of the things that we have in our world today. It could probably be termed, the like in, in Greece long ago, even before Paul was there. It had declined by the time that he had got there. But the common bond that we have today with everyone is the same as the common bond that Paul had back then, and that was that we know that there is a God-shaped void in each and every one of us that will only be satisfied when we come to know Jesus. And so that's the common bond that people are searching. It was evident to Paul that the Greeks had been searching because of all these gods and goddesses, and they didn't want to miss anybody, so they put one to the unknown god as well. But it was, it was obviously... They were obviously searching for something to have all of these different outward shows of, of worship and, and, and their search. And... I, in reading about the Epicureans and the Stoics and so on, I thought, you know, there's nothing new under the sun because when you read how how they believe and so on, you can see so much which, what is happening in North America today, especially in North America churches. Um, there, many of you would be surprised, I believe, at some of the teaching coming out of some of the evangelical circles today I was thrilled when Mark talked about truth last week and when he mentioned about um, you know how people don't want the truth and people are seeking pleasure today that's, that's certainly what is uh, worship today in North America pleasure self they've been taught since the time they've been young now that, uh, you know, you're number one and and all the pleasures that are round about, if it feels good, do it, used to be a phrase that was coined. And so we're sort of in the same place now. And what's coming out of some evangelical circles today in high places is the desire for uh, more tolerance. Uh, but tolerance to the extent that we can, they believe that it could now be said that that jesus isn 't the only way to God, that there are other ways that that people can get to God, and I mean this is just absolutely contrary to what Scripture teaches us uh, christianity isn 't a religion, Christianity is a relationship with a risen Christ, and Jesus said not some it wasn 't something that was just written down on a paper so that we could look at it and believe or not believe, Jesus said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. There was no question about it. And for the thought that in evangelical circles today that they're trying to reason so much like they did in the Greek days, reason so much that will help fit their intelligence, um and in reasoning they're they're watering down the scripture watering down things that jesus himself said do i believe that it's okay to look at things yes but be like the bereans go search the scriptures to see if these things be so and yes be open to to different cultures that are coming especially you know here in places like winnipeg where there's so much cultural diversity and that's wonderful we need to find a common bond and we need to not jump in on people as to what they believe and say, oh, you know, that's, that's wrong. You know, you need to have the Bible. Paul just engaged people in a, in a good way. He found a common bond. And that, as I said, the common bond is that people are searching. People are searching. And, and sometimes, depending on who it is, we do things differently. Those of you that are sitting here today, you come in, you sit down, we sing some songs, we listen to a service, uh, and we do it, but if you came in here on a Tuesday night, you might be offended if you thought that the building was what was all important. Because we don't have the luxury of having a huge place where we have rooms to do everything. And When our kids club, which is kids from the community for the most part, when they're here, we have relays going up and down the aisles, and we have uh, games and, and so on because kids like fun. And then when we get to the end of the evening, uh, so that's the last thing before they leave. Then we'll have our devotional time, which would take the place of stories. Um, their singing is different. I've been trying to prepare for the new season coming up, and so I've been going back and forth to Gimli a little bit. And as I go, I put in a CD of the, the children's music so that I can come up with some of the songs that maybe we want to add in for the fall. Why? Because they're children, and 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 they do actions and. On Tuesday night, the kids love to be up here doing the actions with, with EJ when she's leading. And they're energetic. And uh, And I watched Jeff. And Jeff isn't concerned. On He's behaving very well this morning. But if this was Tuesday night, Jeff forgets that he can be dignified at times. And when we're trying to tell kids about games and how to play them, Jeff gets up to show them. But does it completely wrong on purpose, at least I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, and he has gone home uh, afterwards with rug burn up his arm because he's tripped himself to fall and the kids laugh and they have a great time. And it's because they're children, it's their culture, there's different cultures even amongst us as far as children and youth and, and, and you notice when you come in that there are guitars and drums and this is, What's happening in our world today and and, and so we, we, we change a bit where we can we don't change uh, the message, but the way of delivering sometimes, yes we do. and so these things I went to the lighthouse mission a few weeks ago and I was asked to speak there when a team went and i've I've had drug addicts live in my home I've had people from the street, people that are homeless, I've had them live in my home. In case there's anybody looking, I don't do that anymore. But um, we had, uh, we went to the Lighthouse Mission and as I went in and we were waiting for the people to arrive, there was a group of our ladies that were there that were serving up chili and and pie and whatnot and, and uh, some of our ladies and men standing around just waiting for people to come in to engage them, just to talk to them. And when they opened the doors and these people came in, I was so intimidated. I I thought of what I had brought to speak about and what I felt was, was from the Lord. And it was so far from, I knew that that wasn't right and I took my notes and I put it down on a chair and I said, God, help me, help me. I was so intimidated because I saw that these people were in such desperate need. What could I possibly be saying uh, that they could even listen to? So someone teased me after that I became very Pentecostal that night. I put the mic as close as I could. And I walked up and down the aisle because I had to get keep, and keep their attention, because one was already sleeping before I even got up. And there was a couple that I guess he wasn't supposed to be in there, and he came, and they were sort of fighting, and the guy in charge came, and he was separating. All this is going on, right when you know, so it could have ta- So I had to get their attention. And you'll notice that I haven't been doing that this morning, but I did ask them to leave the lights up. First of all, because I like to see who I'm speaking to, and secondly, because if you're falling asleep, I'm going to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> but the thing was that I, I could only imagine, that's why I said Paul must have been very intimidated, could have been very intimidated, with all these beautiful temples and everything around, all these foreign gods to get up and say, the God that you have here, this I, know, I know who he is, and to preach to them Jesus. Um, and I, Got up and I told a story that I told in kids club one time, and something I felt that they could relate to. It was simple, it was a powerful message, and it addressed where they needed to be. And it was God that brought it to my my mind to do it because I just I did. I just cried. God help me, help me. And so we, we realize that there are various people we come in contact with and all have that same bond that they need Jesus, but how we deliver that is what makes the difference. We offer Alpha here at the church. I love Alpha. Alpha is a very non-threatening way of giving people the gospel message. Um, you, you get to know each other by sitting around tables and eating together. And then you see a video and then there's a bit of discussion and i've had somebody tell me before i don't want to talk i said okay if you don't want nobody's going to make you talk nobody's going to make you say anything and by the second and third week they're all talking and they're exchanging phone numbers and and all sorts of things and there's a real bond that connects there but it's presented in a very non-threatening way sometimes people are afraid to come into church it's just it's it's just a little too you know structured for them but but Alpha, and now I got news the other day that Alpha is coming up with a program for the under 25s, And so they are obviously revamping some of their program that they think will just you know, appeal to those that are a little bit younger. And so there are just different ways that we're able to do this. I'm going to a puppet seminar very soon. Because in Kids Club, we like to do puppets. And the puppet seminar, some of ours have gotten a little bit stretched out of shape. They're called stretch bellies. And uh, and so I want to go and see what I can pick up for the fall for Kids Club uh, because the kids relate to that. As a matter of fact, some of the adults like it too. And so their choruses and their songs are different and Alpha is different and it's, it's non-threatening. And so we look for ways, like the Apostle Paul did, of how we can reach people. Uh, your, your friend next door might not might not want to come to alpha i hope you ask him i would love to see this year in alpha in the fall just many many people as you uh... realize that this is an avenue in which you can bring people into a non-threatening uh... situation to hear the gospel and uh... but besides alpha uh... if if they don't want to enter the church because they're afraid they always say things like oh the church will fall down if i come in and i've never seen that yet but if they like football, you know, get get an extra ticket and say to the guy, you know, I've got a couple of tickets for the ball game, for the bomber game. Who wouldn't want to go, especially when they're winning? It's great. And so, you know, the ways to connect, is that the common bond? When I worked, I found a, that I couldn't do a lot of the things, didn't want to do a lot of the things they were doing, but I found where I could. And where I could, you know, show up at something that they were doing, like when, the one team was playing hockey against the other and so on and i'd go with the girls and we'd go and enjoy and and i could do that and and establish relationships because christianity is a relational thing it's it's first relationship with god and relationship with others and uh, so that we can bring the two together but we're not in a good place here in north america our religion here is secular humanism uh we we believe in, or they believe in, in evolution. Nobody wants to admit that, that there's a God simply because if there's a God, then there's somebody you have to be accountable to. That's the big thing. And so whether or not all of the things in science that would point to a creator, uh, they don't want to believe it because if they believe that, then they have to believe the rest too. And And that's just not where they're at, not where they want to be. But... We, the people today, uh, are looking for something. And the problem is that they're looking in all the wrong places to fill it. And Jesus is, is the only way that they're going to be satisfied. Um, our, our, our churches today, so many of them are not Bible-based anymore. They're, they don't want to talk about doctrine because doctrine divides. So we're not taught the truths, the, the absolute truths of Scripture. And, and they want to say that there are no absolutes. So uh, we just want to pick and choose what we do and, and what we say. And the biggest debate that's had is on styles of music in church. But there's no foundation for the faith that we, we once had. There used to be a... Uh, I don't want to say cartoon, but you know i draw the drawing. And some of you may have seen it in any kind of leadership uh, seminars. And there was two castles, and one castle, they were both on his separate hills with a valley in between. And one castle was a Christian. It was founded. The foundation on the castle, it showed, was creationism, where it all started. And the foundation on the other castle was evolution. And each castle had a cannon. And in the case of those that were Christians and were were, um, founded on on creationism, their their cannons were aimed at the flags that were flying from the castle that had one, one flag had abortion. Another flag had gay rights. And so the, the, we, we have our, our cannons trained on these to try and hit these things when they're only symptoms of what is wrong. The evolutionists, the other castle that was based and founded on evolution, had their cannon aimed right at our foundation. And that is what's happened. They they have broken down the truths, what, what are absolute truths. They say no absolutes they, and, and they've broken down truths so that now we're so busy shooting their little flags down of abortion and, and so on, does that make those right? No, but they're just, they're symptoms of the greater problem of what they're, they are uh, based their beliefs on is evolution. And so we're living in a time where we need to get back to the Bible. I truly believe that, that we need to be back at the Bible. We need to be studying. Paul himself said that we need to be workmen that need not to be ashamed. Ashamed of what? Of not being able to, um, to know what we believe so that we can share it with somebody else. Or that we can engage them in discussion when it comes to what they believe and what we believe. Uh, we can't even do that. And so he says that, you know, so that we are rightly handling the word of truth. And there are so many things that that Paul has has written that point to that very thing. And so we need to be uh, cognizant of the fact that we in North America, and the North American church are in a great deal of trouble. And the basics of it is that we have gotten away from the truth, the absolute truth of what the Bible says. And Paul might have done it in a different way. He might have chosen the proper way to to, uh, engage people, but his message did not change. And the message that people need today is the message that Jesus uh, is the answer to all of what they're looking for. He's the person that they need to have in their lives. Uh, we don't teach anymore the Bible so they don't know about original sin. They don't know that these doctrines that we have. And, and it's, it's putting us in a very, very bad place. His evangelism was friendly. He was a positive witness, showed that he cared about the Athenians as people, cut through what they believed, what they were seeking for, what they were looking for, and what they needed. He quoted, as I said, from their own poets in that portion of scripture I read, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. In North America today, our gods are different, but anything that is that we put above God is a false god and we have lots of them in our world today and they're they're creeping in the church and we need to be very very careful that we're not worshiping false gods I'm talking about the particularly in this day and age the false gods of entertainment Um, Is entertainment wrong? It is. If it it goes against everything that that God teaches in his word is wrong. Uh, The time that's spent, the time that is spent in it is is something that that will be accountable for someday. People today busy and, and sitting in front of the TV just, and I do that to relax sometimes, to watch a football game, which I couldn't watch last night because I was still getting ready. And, um, and there are many, many things that aren't wrong in themselves, but if they take priority in our lives over the place that God should have, then it's wrong. Then it's wrong. And we need to be very, very careful of how we're spending our time and our efforts, how we spend our money. Uh, that will tell us. Where our priorities are, show us where our priorities are, we need to come before God and ask Him to help us. We have different religions today that and and people say i want to i want to go back to my roots, I want to see you know where I come from, who i am that's that's fine but but not worshiping those things, not taking on uh the type of worship that they have and trying to make it your own so that you don't lose that. When you become a Christian, you become a citizen of heaven. And when you're a citizen of heaven, the Bible is where you find where your attention should be. And I went to Wales in 2002. That's where my dad was born. My grandparents on his side were born there. And I went there out of because I always, it's a place I always wanted to go, and I was given a wonderful opportunity to go. And I went, I found out that Wales is probably, claims to have more ghosts than anybody else in the whole world. Great claim to make, but they do. And, uh, I mean, they do claim it, not that they do have them. And uh, And so they have all these stories, and and then they come up against a little bit of a problem with England and Ireland and Scotland because they want to be the ones that can claim that. And so there's little fights that go on as to who has the more ghosts and, and it's very supernatural and, and this is where they put a lot of their attention. My grandparents, my grandmother was born in England. I visited there after Wales. And, you know, I know about Stonehenge and I wasn't going that way, so I didn't take time to go that way. But if I had, it would have just been an interest as to the, how it looked and, and how they must have constructed it and so on. But New Agers today, they call this a religious place. And there's ancestor worship and 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 things like the, the summer and winter and the fall and spring, uh, they go. And while they're there, they're, they're there to um, to worship, and they're very much into worshiping nature and ancestor worship and so on. So it's a place of religious significance. Do I want to find out more about that because I want to take part in it? No, I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't even follow the different religions of this country and try and find out even though I was born here because I'm not a citizen of here anymore. I, I pay my taxes usually. I, no, I do. I pay lots of them. I pay my taxes. I, I honor, I vote. Some people might not think the party I vote for is the right party, but I vote because of my conscience and what I believe after looking at it. Uh, I feel that it's a civic duty to do so. I vote and I, I take part in things that uh, would benefit my country. But I have to tell you, that I'm not a citizen, I've got a citizen card that allows me to do these things, but in my very, as far as the spirituality and so on, I, I'm a citizen of heaven. And so that's where my attentions are. And I need to be finding out about there, because I'm going to live there someday in heaven, and uh, I find out all about that, that I, has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him and I'm counting on that, that even I can't imagine what's ahead for me. Why would I want my ties to be to this world when there's so much that is ahead for me, and here, and here? And so I wanna encourage you this morning that you, you realize that around about they're as searching today as they were in the days that Paul walked through Athens. And there's as many false gods, if not more, around today. Maybe not statues to them, but they're there. And people are searching. And until 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 they come to know Jesus, that is not going to be filled. And that's our job is to make sure that we engage them in the proper ways. Don't don't come on to them telling them that they're going to go to hell if they don't believe and so I mean that's not how you win friends and influence people to Jesus. You want to, you want to be able to bring them to a place where, where you can talk to them about Jesus and, and let them understand that he loves them and, and what he's done for them, and then give them the opportunity to make that choice themselves. G. Campbell Morgan sums up Paul's message this way. He said, if you really want to find God, Don't degrade yourselves in erecting images of gold and silver. Listen to the deepest fact of your own being. Be silent in the presence of the mystery of what you are, and then look out beyond to that unknown God whom I declare to you. When I had to do Amphipolis, I was saying to Don Davidson this morning when I had to preach on Amphipolis there was not enough material there to preach on it seemed and when I got to Athens it seemed there was more than I could even begin to to cover the surface of, there was so much but my I was given the scripture to preach on and I was given the, the idea of it was to let you know how how we need to uh, be aware of the fact that there are people that are searching and how we approach that, what we do about that, what, with different cultures and so on. But I had to say what I did about, about the problem in North America today, it is serious. It's serious when I read about what's coming out in evangelical circles. The only, only way that we are going to counteract that is by getting into this book and studying it. Paul doesn't say just come to church on a Sunday morning and listen to somebody preach. Get into it. Be a workman that needs not to be ashamed, knowing how to rightly handle the word of truth. Uh, get some good good books. Ask Pastor Allen, you know, some things that you should get into and read uh, that will help you in your in your faith. In boot camp in the fall, our leadership group is going to start. Uh, learning our, the, the foundations of our faith. And uh, I'm going to be speaking to them on that week after week and having them learn what it is that we believe. And um, I really do think we need a boot camp for adults. But uh, that's not my call. And, uh, but I do encourage you, I do encourage you to get into the Word. Get into the Word. Find out what God has to say to you. Find out the the great stories of the Bible. Find out the great truths of the Bible and be ready, as, as has been said before, to at all times give a reason for the hope that is within you. And when you just, when you know that people are, are, are searching, you might not think of it, but watch them. Watch what, what they're interested in and so on. And find out what it is that they need and, and, and you can tell them. You know what, I, what, you know what you need? You need to know about Jesus. Let, let me share him with you. Paul talked, I mean, Mark talked last week about people saying that they're on a journey, a faith journey. And I often use that simply because that is what they think. That, you know. And I'll say, well, what's your faith journey? And then when they finish, I say, well, may I tell you mine? And then I can share with them. And so I I just encourage you, it's what we are to do. We're given this great gospel for a purpose, not just to sit now and coast our way to heaven, feeling good that someday we're going to get there, but we're called to be witnesses and to bring the truth to a world that desperately needs it. And I challenge you in that this morning. Please stand, please, and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you just haven't left us in this world to sort of stagger through ourselves and try to find our own way, but you've given us the Bible, the scriptures that bring us life and bring us direction. And I just pray, Lord, that we will be faithful in in learning the things that we need to learn and then in sharing those things with others because we're in a needy world, a world that is without God, and, and looking everywhere to to get some answers. And we want to say with Paul this morning, this unknown God that you you are searching. I know who he is. Let me share him with you. So God, I just pray that you would speak to hearts this morning and, and stir in us as you stirred in Paul as he walked and saw these temples and statues and altars, that he was stirred and, and stirred enough to go and tell people. So stir us up, Lord, and... And help us to be people who will share the gospel. And now we just pray that you would go with each one of us. Holy Spirit, only you can make these things real to people. And so I pray that you would work in the lives of people today. And we ask these things. And Lord, as we think of our, our friends coming back from Africa, we just pray for journeying mercies for them. And uh, we look forward to hearing the great, great stories of, of their time there. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. You're dismissed. At-